Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Praise Him. Continue to worship Him. Continue to honor and glorify His name this morning. Our King, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our very present help in the times of need, and we do thank you, Father. And we certainly need you, and we certainly thank you for loving us, surrounding us with favor like a shield, blessing us when we come in, blessing us when we go out, blessing us this very day. And we want to thank you. Father, I pray for your peace over every household, uh, that's here this morning, those that are viewing this morning, and those who are slumbering and sleeping this morning. We just pray the hand of God be over you and the plan of God be revealed to you. And that every day of your life you see the mercy and God says uh, there is an opportunity for you and I to see the mercy of God morning by morning. He says I will display it. But the Bible says you have to first have an ear to hear. When you hear God's voice, he says, don't harden your heart. Turn your eyes on Jesus and see what he's revealing in the last days that we're living in. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and uh, take your seats, and we're going to take a moment and, and just um, continue in worship. One way to worship God, obviously, is how we've just begun. The Bible says you enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with what? Praise. And I believe our giving is also a form of worship to God because uh, the Bible says God loves it. God loves a cheerful giver. And he says when you give, he gives. He gives back to you in such a way the Bible says it's, your cup is just literally running over. Exceeding abundantly. Above all, you could ask or even think is how God wants to bless you. So for those who are viewing, we encourage you and thank you for uh, being supportive of the ministry and sowing into what God is doing in these days that we're living in. God is still wanting the gospel to go as far and as fast as possible into the uttermost parts of the earth. And certainly, you know, we know that we have been able to make an impact in our local community. But we still need to make impacts, not only in our local community, but even in other nations. And it comes through the generous giving and this generous sowing of God's people. But what you sow, the Bible says, uh, don't sow sparingly. Um, otherwise, we set ourselves up simply to reap sparingly. But God is a God of abundance, and he wants you to understand that he will and he does supply all of your needs according to what? His riches. I mean, you know, we serve a rich God. The Bible says the earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, uh, the cattle of a thousand hill. They all belong to him. And everything that we have been able to, as it were, uh, acquire, it did not just come through our hands. God may have used our hands, but it was God who gave us the hands. It was God who gave us the energy. It was God who gave us the strength. Literally, it was God who gave you the job or the business or the opportunity that you had. The Bible says it like this. It says God gave you the power to get wealth. 
But when you got your wealth, he says, do you understand that I gave it to you so that you might establish my covenant? And how many of you know we have a covenant with God? A covenant means that it's, we, God has cut an agreement with you. It's not a contract. God is basically saying what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. This is literally what we try to teach uh, couples when they're going into a marriage relationship. It's not a contract like the world and business does. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. And so, Lord, we thank you for our covenant today. Thank we thank you, Father God, for uh, opening the windows, as your word says you would do, and pouring out a blessing that we would not have room enough to contain. We want to thank you. Your word says there is a devourer, but you would rebuke it. There is one that wants to come to steal, to kill, to destroy. There's one that wants to bring poverty to each one of our lives. But God, your word says, uh, I, my children, above all, I wish that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul is prospering. So we thank you for the prosperity of your people, Father, and we thank you for the advancement of your kingdom. And we bless you, honor you, glorify you, and now bring our tithes and our offerings unto you as the true author and the finisher of our faith. When you are ready, we invite you to come. Bring your tithes, bring your offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. Amen.
David would say something like, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's in me, bless his holy name. Blessing, honor, glory. Where do they belong? To God. How and where does your help come from? It comes from the Lord. And we should bless him at all times. And the praise of him should be continually, the Bible said, in our mouth. What does that mean? From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. We should be blessing and praising and thanking God for all that he has done. How many of you know God has done better for you than you've done for yourself? God has done better for you than anybody else could do for you. God is blessing you right now. God bless you last night. God bless you last week. God bless you. God bless you. He says the blessings of the Lord will come upon you and literally overtake you. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord. The promises of God are not slack as men count slackness. God is faithful. None of his words will fall to the ground. There is a God who loves you who's redeemed you, who set you free. There is a God who has prepared a place for you. And as somebody reminded me this week in the midst of a funeral, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And how many of you know God is getting you ready for what he already has ready for you? Come on, say it together with me. God is getting me ready for what he already has ready for me. That's what God's doing for you right now. Amen? How does he do it? He says he orders your steps. He sets your conversation aright. He encourages you and I. Keep your mind stayed on Jesus. So many people are got their mind in so many different places. He said, no, keep your mind stayed on Jesus. And Jesus will keep you in what? Perfect peace. Go ahead and sit down. Glory to God. I, 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 I'm, I'm excited about all that you can look back sometime. How many of you know it's important to look back? How many of you drove here this morning? I hope you all did because it's pretty wet out there. And if you didn't, you were pretty soaking wet by the time you got here. But God bless you with vehicles. God bless you. And, and, and those of you who were responsible for navigating or driving your vehicle, I'm pretty sure if you're a pretty good driver, you had this little mirror called your rearview mirror. And what is a rearview mirror for? Looking back. But you know, you're not supposed to keep just looking back for a long time. It's so that you can remember that It's not that. It's really about making sure that 
In a vehicle, there's a place called a blind spot. A lot of the, the manufacturers now put little sensors in the side of your car, and, you know, when a vehicle is beside me, my mirrors light up. Because it says you can't see it, but it's there. And so God wants you to sometimes look back and, and truly remember where you came from and how you got there. And how many of you know when you look in your rear mirror, before you make a move, it's best to do what? Look back and look to each side. But to, as God would tell us, you might want to maintain your lane. And the lane that God has put us in is called a path. He says the straightest narrow. Stay in that path. How many of you realize that when you realize that there's someone on your left and on your right, you shouldn't try to change lanes? The enemy is all around us, folks. I'm just going to tell you, the enemy is, the Bible says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Don't you ever become unaware of that. Now, today, being Sunday, it is 9-11. That means 21 years ago, something really, really, really horrible happened in our nation. When I'm looking out and I, I see children, I see teenagers, I see young adults. 21 years ago, they weren't even born. And something really horrible happened. And, they, and, and, and we should never forget, there's one of the things about God. He, he deal, tells his people, there are things that I never want you to forget. How many of you remember when he crossed, the children crossed over the Jordan River? He says, pick up some stones. Pick up some stones and use them as a what? A reminder. How many of you remember last week we were sharing in communion? And we shared in communion with the words in mind that God says, I want you to do this often so that when every time you do it, you show that you do what? You remember. There are things that you are supposed to remember. And the reason that you want to remember is so that you don't become slack. So that you don't become unaware that you do have an enemy. Look at your neighbor and says, you do have an enemy. The enemy is never flesh and blood. Don't even think about that. If your mind goes toward a person, then you are, you're not in a spiritual track. The Bible speaks about spiritual forces. Now, certainly spiritual forces can influence people. But the Bible says, your weapon, my weapon, our weapon is not carnal. It is mighty through God designed to pull down these strongholds. And so here I was this week going and, and you know, I love this book of Revelation in it, feeling like I was going to transition from uh, Wednesday night teaching and right over into a Sunday morning preaching uh, concerning the book of Revelation. And God says, no, I want you to remember something. It's okay. You know, when you're out at the altar, he, God can just, I mean, I, I, I find the greatest amount of my peace by coming right here. That's kind of my corner right there. And just kneeling at the altar and saying, God, talk to me, please. Please talk to me. So the Lord said, do you remember what you preached? How many of you realize you can forget? This is why it's important to keep notes. Folks, I was able to go back and pull my sermon notes from 
and the Lord had me to go back through. This is why I, I try to encourage you, don't get into the habit of thinking everything that you can do, you can do it on your smart device. It won't be so smart if you never record anything, if you never write anything. And so that allowed me to go back, and the first thing I went to back is to my journals. And I had journal on that day. Matter of fact, I didn't know what to do but to start writing. I was at Lelene Sharma's house, about to pick her up that morning. My wife called me. I was driving this gray Volvo, and it had, it's 21 years. We've come a long way, you know. I had a mounted phone in my car. It was just mounted in the center console. Kind of big phone, too. With no flip, wasn't thin. It was a big phone. And it rang. And Miss Pat said, Are you listening to the news? And I thought, That's a strange thing coming from Miss Pat because she never hardly watched the news or listened to the news. I'm kind of that person, if you get in my car, you go, Pastor, listen to the news. Yeah, generally on WTOP or some type of news station or some type of talk where I feel like I want to hear what the world is chattering about. But Ms. Pat said, there's something happening. And she then was talking to me about one of the buildings in the World Trade Center that had been hit by a plane. And she says, but it just seems strange. And so as we continued to talk, she would then say, oh, my God. Miss Pat is pretty dramatic or demonstrative. And, she, and I was like, oh, is everything okay? She says, another plane just flew into. And they are talking about other air traffic. And as we continued to talk, she, she even shared with me, about the Pentagon, and then we would later learn about Shanksville, and, and even today we realize that nearly 3,000 people in a short period of time were gone, none of which, I believe, got up that morning and thought, this would be my last day on the earth. And I pray that all of them were in Christ. And I remember feeling a sense of just numbness I had a television in my office, and I turned it on, and, and after a while, it got to be too much because some of the pictures were extremely graphic. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about, those of you. I mean, they were literally showing people who were so fearful that of the fire in the building that they were just taking a leap. It was captured. It was real. It was in our face. I want to do a step back so I can step forward because the Lord said, you need to pre that, preach that message again. Because I realized that I preached on Tuesday night, I preached on Wednesday night, and I preached on Sunday morning. And I looked at all three of them. And I'm going to try to combine them into today's message to kind of remind us. Anybody remember seeing the song, Lest I Forget? Lest I Forget, Gethsemane? Yes. 
lest I forget. See, and, and, and the Lord is really trying to say to us as human beings, we are subject to forget too much. And when we start to forget too much, we start to do so much less of what he's calling us to do. How many of you know that a man ought to what? But if we forget, we can go, I'm okay. We just don't pray. We don't pray. We say we had other things that were significant that day. But a man ought to. And we've got to train our children. We, we, we think that, hmm, well, sooner or later they'll, they'll get it. No, you've got to train them. How many of you think that your children would get education if you didn't send them to school? How many of your children would be able to read if you didn't homeschool or send them to school? How many of you think your children are going to get Christ if you don't train them up in the way that they should go? We're looking and we're saying, man, our children are out. Look, do you realize that the, all of the counties, including D.C., is saying, you know, what can we do? Curfew? Folks, we need more than a curfew. What we do need is a few people who will pray without ceasing. What you do need is a few people that will understand these are difficult and perilous times. And God has given specific instructions about how to handle perilous times. Let's look back. And then we're going to go forward. Take it for a moment. Those of you who are viewing, I apologize if you can't see or hear all that we are about to present in a video presentation, but I'll bring you forward in it in the message. Our fellow citizens and our freedom came under attack today, and no one should doubt America's resolve. The United States will hunt down and punish those responsible for these cowardly acts. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today, cause the flag still stands for freedom, and they can't take that away. is the time for us to come together as a nation to offer our support, our prayers for victims and for their families, for the rescue workers, for law enforcement officials, for every one of us that has been changed forever by this horrible tragedy. The determination of these terrorists will not deter the determination of the American people. We are survivors and freedom is a survivor. A free American people will not be intimidated nor will we be defeated. We will find the people responsible for these cowardly acts 
and justice will be done. We will stand together to make sure that those who have brought forth this evil deed will pay the price. We will stand with the president, we will stand with this government, and we will stand as Americans together through this time. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, and New York to L.A., well, it's bright in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say, and we will stand as Americans together, that I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free, Freedom is and I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me. There ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. We will find the people responsible for these cowardly acts, and justice will be done. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave their right to me. And I'm Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Freedom itself was attacked this morning by a faceless coward And freedom will be defended Make no mistake The United States hunt down and punish those responsible for these cowardly acts. want God to bless America. We need God's blessing over all of the world. It was a sad day. I have worked most of my life in my job or occupation as a military man at that time or shortly before that time and had retired and the Pentagon had been that place of where I went every day gave selfishly to the defense of our nation and so when the plane crashed into the Pentagon I was certainly hit even harder because I knew many of those souls that were lost. It is not always people that wear a uniform that are serving and there are many as we say are civilians but they have worked all of their life in the Department of Defense. And yes, that plane hit in a very corridor that I had worked for many years. And so my mind raced toward people that I knew with 
normally have been there. And yes, some of them were that day that would be their last day on this earth. And so as I sat that morning, this is the scripture that the Lord consoled my heart and I believe it's applicable for us on this very day in this very year. I want you to open your Bible, go to the book of Rome, Romans. The book of Romans, we're going to go to the 8th chapter, and we're going to look at verse 35 through 39. So if you've got your Bibles, you've got your smart devices, or perhaps you'll just look at the screen of what we're going to put there in the um, English Standard Version of the Bible this morning. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus our Lord. In the aftermath of the terrorist attack, 19, what I would refer to as young men. It's so amazing to me when I look at this. Of those 19, 18 of them were between the age of 20 and 29. The 19th was just 33. Four flights. American Airline Flight 77. United Airline flight. And do you realize it was two United Airline flights, two American Airline flights? Intentional. Everything that represented United States, everything that represented American, very strategic. But young minds so infiltrated with hate and evil. Folks, how I many of you know people aren't born prejudiced? You teach it. This is why we've got to teach our children love. This is why even when the schools start talking to you about bullying, this is somewhere you pull your child aside immediately and begin to teach them love. When you see your child snatch something from somebody or get upset with somebody, you have to pull your child over immediately and begin to teach them love. When you see your child talk back in an ugly way, to their own parent, you need to really just pull them aside and talk about 
love. Even Jesus, remember, there were people who said, God, these people down here are trying to do what we do. Should we call down thunder, lightning? And Jesus said, oh, oh, stop. He pulled them aside immediately. See, there are the times I've realized as a pastor now, people don't want you to immediately deal with them. I don't know how to pastor without addressing current situations. I don't know how to pastor without not dealing with what people are dealing with at that moment, because Jesus did it. I don't know how not to deal with a, 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 a marriage situation without just saying, we need to confront this. We need to talk about what's going on. I don't know how to deal with your children's problems without saying, mom and daddy, this, there's something that I think you're going to have to do. And yes, there's something that the child will have to do. But this is, when I look back at that, it's like, these are children in the true sense. How many of you still consider you're 20 years old? They're still children. They really haven't learned a lot about life. You, you know, they said when, you, when you're between the ages of 1 to 20, you don't know nothing. You don't. You think you know everything. I did, too. But I didn't know nothing. Between the ages of 20 and 30, we're now trying to gain some information. Between 30 and 40, you actually kind of feel like, okay, I'm getting the hang of it. Between the age of 40 and 50, okay, I know what I'm doing now. Between the age of 60 and on, you're trying to give it away. It's called passing on wisdom. It's, it's called looking back. And this is why the Bible speaks to you. women. He speaks to you very specifically. He says, you all must see the value of connecting with the younger women so that you can speak into their lives and pass on wisdom. We older men, God has said to us, sometimes we run around, we're, we're trying to be the tough guy, but he said, I need you to show some tenderness. Here's why. He says, because if you always are, are in a position of not complimenting, you provoke your children to wrath. Now, I know some of you are saying, I, I really didn't have a good model or example. You do if you have Jesus. You might not have a good earthly model, but you have a heavenly model that never fails. And, 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 and God basically said, follow that pattern. How many of you know the Bible says be imitators of who? Be imitators of Christ. If you want to know how to uh, parent, be imitators of Christ. If you want to know how to be a good wife, be imitators of Christ. If you want to know how to be a good husband, if you want to know how to be a good daughter or son, be imitators of Christ. Everything that we need, everything that you and I need is in Christ. But he uses you and I as parents to put it into our children. 
You know, when we go back to the book of Genesis, Adam was given the responsibility of making sure everything that God had revealed to him, he was revealing to Eve. Adam and Eve were both given the responsibility that everything that God had put in them, they were revealing to who? Cain and Abel. Did they do a good job? You can say it. Don't be scared to answer. No. Adam didn't do a very good job of translating that onto Eve. And as both of them took part in what would be the fall of man. And apparently they didn't keep following up like they should with their children because what would happen with one son getting jealous of the other and ultimately doing what? Murder. You can say it. I mean, it's in your Bible. I'm a preacher that will, is not going to just tickle your ears all the time. This video, for some of you, was hard to watch, but it, it is a fact of life. It's just like I, I have a real problem with schools that don't want to teach that there was such a thing as slavery. It happened. I have a problem with people that don't understand that, yes, some African nations sold their own people. The love of money is it's a root for all of the evil. This is why the Bible says, I'm not telling you there's something wrong with money. He's saying there's something wrong when you start loving money more than you love people. When you start loving money more than you love God. When you start loving stuff. The Bible says you become worshipers of the creation and then you forget about the creator. And we start teaching something that's not biblical. We start teaching something that's not God. And we start raising people in this earth that have a form of godliness. But they don't know the power of God. The power of God helps you to love your enemy. The power of God helps you to forgive. The power of God helps you to live above and not beneath. The power of God helps you to be that more than a conqueror. It's the power of God. Jesus told his disciples, even when he was about to leave, he said, you still need power. Somebody said, I need power this morning. And that's why he said, well, then go up. Go up into this place and pray. Go up into this place until you are endued with power. So a lot of us procrastinate. A lot of us are still playing games. A lot of us are still caught up in foolishness. A lot of us are still trying to live on either side of the fence. God says, do you know that I'm going to spill you out of my mouth? You're neither hot, you're neither cold, you're lukewarm, and I won't put up with it. And God doesn't want us to forget that he set a standard. Many of you are trying to live by the standards of men, but you are best served living by the standards of God. Somebody say, in him I live. In him I move. In him I have my being. That's where we're supposed to be. In him.
in his word. The Bible says, in the word to the point where you're meditating in it, what? Day and night, which means I have some time to get into the word while there's light. Before the dark comes and sets in and my eyes close and perhaps sleep until the next day, I'm meditating in it. What does the word say to me? What does the word say concerning even this day, 9-11? You know, I thought about it as the word was really encouraging me. Go back and look back, son. I thought about preachers all over America who had a difficult task of conforming their congregation and speaking the truth, that God's sovereignty over all things, that God was still in control. No matter what the devil had meant for evil, God has the ability to turn it for good. Instead of causing a nation to be divided, literally it just brought people together. I don't know about you, but I can remember you couldn't even go to a store and find a flag because everybody that could get a flag was getting a flag. Everybody that could fly a flag was sticking one on their car and flying a flag. Every bridge that you passed by had a flag draped over it. Even the Pentagon, that huge, humongous flag that they draped over the side of it and then later took it into the Smithsonian. Everybody was saying, I'm not going to... We weren't where we are today. You're black, I'm white. You're Asian, I'm Latino. You're this, you're that. We were just united. How many of you know the Bible said, oh, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in what? You are probably going to say, I'm not politically correct right now, but I'm going to ask you to get up and give somebody a high five. Get up and give somebody a high five, even if it's just your family member. Some of y'all be saying, oh, Lord, they ain't six feet apart. Folks, the devil wants you to be apart. The devil wants you to be separated. The devil wants you to be separated from God, but they said there's no height, no depth, nor anything else in all creation that is able to separate us from the love of God. We're going to love one another. We're going to reach out and touch one another. We're going to reach out and pray for one another. We're going to stand in the gap and make up the head with one another. We're going to do what the Bible says happened on the day. Just before Pentecost, they had all things in common. They realized that it was better to work together than to work apart. They weren't just selective about how they were going to work. The Bible says they were gathering daily. They were breaking bread from house to house. They were getting together and realizing that God was calling them together. And if God be for you, do you know what the Bible says? Who can be against you? Pastor, are you telling us to throw caution to the wind? Absolutely not. But what I'm telling you to do is to lean not unto your own understanding. I'm asking you, will you acknowledge God in all of your ways and let him direct your path? I'm asking you to trust God more than you even trust man. Trust God. Trust God. And that's what I believe every preacher had to do. And so I realized this. I said, well, what happened, God? The Lord said, look at your notes. And that's why I encourage you and taught you, take notes. Take notes. 
So I look back at my notes and I realize that on that Tuesday, I call it a service of sorrow. How many of you know that we were sorrowful that day? My heart was broken. Tears flowed down my face. My heart was broken. But how many of you know that God says, weeping may endure for a, a night, but what? Joy. I will give you beauty for the ashes. Look, when you were watching that film, that's what you saw at the crumbling of those two towers, just ashes. You saw people covered in ashes. But God said, I will give you beauty for your ashes. I will turn your mourning God turns things around. And so he said to me that night on that Tuesday night, it's a service of sorrow, but turn people's eyes back to Jesus. That morning, several of the businesses from around here, because, you know, most highway was just really chaotic. You couldn't move. Those of you who can remember in you if you were downtown Washington, D.C., it was very difficult to get out. If you happened to be on what we call 395 or near the 14th Street Bridge, you are not getting back from Virginia to Maryland easily. You are not even getting into the district. If you would see signs, there was a sign in New York City that said, the streets of New York City closed. Closed. Can you, anybody been to New York? It's really busy, isn't it? Can you imagine all the streets closed? Uh, those of you who may have been out on travel, I can remember there were people that were in Hawaii that gone on a vacation. They had to stay in Hawaii a, hot, a lot longer than they had planned. Matter of fact, another 10 days before they could get a flight out of Hawaii. A lot of people were in other states. All flights were canceled. It wasn't just delayed, canceled for days, for weeks. But how many of you know God will take care of you? See, folks, you don't really control time. You don't really control the outcome of your day. We may think we do. We may write it down and say, this is what I'm going to do at 9 o'clock, and this is what I'm going to do at 11 o'clock. And I, I, I have a schedule, but I've learned my schedule don't necessarily always line up with God's schedule. And I want to be, everybody say flexible. flexible. Say it again, flexible. God has got nothing wrong and, has, and doesn't see it as a sin for you to make plans. The thing is, though, stay flexible. Because God can just disrupt everything that you thought was a priority. And how many of you know what the true priority of the Bible is? The true priority of the Bible is Matthew 6.33. Find that really quick and then go back to Romans 8.39 because i, I got to preach this. But Matthew 6.33, do you know what it says? I, I wanted to put it up just in case somebody is here that you don't know what Matthew 6.33 does. <laughs> I hear you, sister. It's all right. It's good to know it. It's good to know the word. It's good to know Jesus. But Matthew 6.33 says this, but, 
out of all these things that you do, but, but seek first the kingdom of God. What you been seeking lately? Some of you have been seeking promotion. Some of you have been seeking a husband. Some of you have been seeking a boyfriend. Some of you have been seeking this and seeking that. And the Bible said you might want to seek God. And you might want to seek him first. Some of you are saying I'm moving to here or there. God says you might want to seek God before you move there. Some of you are saying, I'm going this. I'm, I'm, I'm quitting my job. You might want to seek God first before you step away from where somewhere God may have already set you. See, we are not, the Bible says, to lean to our what? Because we think we know it. And the Bible says, in a man's mind, he thinks his ways are always right. But they're not right. We're generally off course until we seek God. We're generally off course until we seek God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things, all these things that we are saying are our priorities, are at the top of our list to do, how many of you know in your management training they said make a to-do list well the Bible says you should make a to-do list too he says this is a to-do list study study to show yourself approved unto God workmen that need not be ashamed that can rightly divide the word of truth the, the scripture says to us don't just be what hearers but learn how to be what? Doers. The scriptures have to-do lists. But the to-do, God's to-do, probably doesn't match up with your to-do. Go back and look at your to-do for today. Go back and look at what you got to do for tomorrow. Most of us are pretty good at coming up with what we call our to-do list. But are you doing this? See, there were people who were doing this. And, and on that Tuesday, somewhere in the middle of the day, the Lord said to me, call this pastor. And I thought to myself, why should I call this pastor? He says, he's been, influencing, he's been an influence in your life, and he's probably at his lowest point at this point. And I obeyed God. I picked up the phone. I had to look up his number. I called. And he said to me, the first thing he said, I'm feeling so low. This is a man who had prayed. This is a man who I credit for teaching me how to pray because I didn't know that you really need to just pray the word. You don't know what you ought to pray. You don't know what you ought to pray for yourself. You don't know what you ought to pray for me. You don't need to know, you don't need even know what you need to pray for your own family. The Bible says when you don't need when you don't know what to pray, God is the one that's going to teach you what to pray. And he says sometimes he's going to teach you to pray just with moaning and groaning. And one thing that this man of God showed me, the most important thing, the most effective thing to pray is God's word. I mean, you know, the Bible instructs you and I call things that what? Be not as though they were. How do you do this? With the word. He showed us 
This man of God had began to show me. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus after he came out of the wilderness. Look at what the devil tried to do to him when he came out of the wilderness. Tried to get him into temptation. Tried to get him into a place where he would get off of the path of what his father wanted him to do. But how did Jesus defend himself? How did Jesus stay focused on what his father seeking first the kingdom? He didn't let his flesh get in the way, though he was hungry. Forty days of fasting and praying. And the devil says to him, turn these stones into bread. And what did he say? The word. This is what I want you to realize. What do you say when a situation that's negative comes up? Do you start murmuring and complaining? Do you start to blame him and them and they? Or do you say what Jesus taught you to say? The children of God, the apostles, the, uh, 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 the disciples, as we call them sometimes, do you realize that they said, Jesus, we see you getting results. And they asked him, do you realize they hadn't asked Jesus for much at all? But do you know what they asked him for? Teach us to pray. Have you asked, any of you thought you knew how to pray and you didn't just didn't go to God and say, God, teach me? Let me back up. I don't want nobody to hit me this morning. Because, folks, I, I want the word to convict you. That if you're just going through the motions of church, you might realize I'm not going to make you very comfortable because I'm going to preach the word of God. That's what that man of God had done for me. He had taught me to pray. And God says, you called him. Because he's feeling disappointed. This man of God had took me past the Pentagon several times to pray on a Sunday. I've been past the White House several times on Sunday to pray. I've been past the Supreme Court and, and the Senate and, and the Congress just praying. Using it as points of contact. I learned things like this. Do you see the Capitol? And I would see the Capitol from a far distance. He says, what did it look like? Well, and, and You know how sometimes people ask you a question. You don't know what to say. So you look at him and say, what does it look like? He said, it looked like the helmet of salvation. I want you to see it as the helmet of salvation. Now, I'm not saying politics save you. I'm just saying we need to pray for those that are in authority. And we need to see Jesus crowning them with knowledge and wisdom so that they are not leaning to their own understanding, but acknowledging God in all of that way. And he would say, sometimes say, look at the, the, the monument. What did it look like? And I thought, a pencil? And then he said, no, it's like a sword pointing up and keeping darkness off of the earth. So many different places that we use as points of contact. And then we would use some parallel scriptures to begin to describe what the word says about that situation. As many of us don't know how to do that. It's okay to start training your children. Now I lay me down to sleep. And I pray the Lord my soul. Ain't nothing wrong with that prayer. But you can't stay there. That's milk. Junior. Hey, would it be okay for your dad, Osiris, and your mom 
to just give you milk every day. No meat, no vegetables, just milk. <laughs> you say, no. He started thinking about that. He's like, man, what would that be like? Just milk, man. Milk in the morning. Milk for lunch. Milk for dinner. I want a snack. Milk. Do you like meat? Mm-hmm. Come on, give me a pound. I do too. I just... <laughs> Meat. God says you can't stay on milk. And it's just milk. This is why God says your prayers can't be repetitious either. Folks, I don't even pray the same prayer when I sit down to eat anymore. I realize that every day is something new that God is doing. Every meal is something different that God has blessed me with. And I don't have a repetitious prayer anymore. You can't have repetitious prayers. Every day that you are seeing your children, you can't just have the same repetitious prayer for your children. You see them changing. You see them growing. You see their minds being influenced. Either by you or about television or about school or about their environment, about their community. And you're going to have to learn how to be able to discern and then pray. And the Bible says, when you discern and you learn, you need to then. I've been saying this for two days now. ABCs. When it comes to training your children, and I believe it's, it's a life principle. Everybody say ABCs. ABCs. Say it again, ABCs. ABCs. A stands for availability. You got to be available to God. And you got to be available to your family. Availability. B, balance. Some of us are extreme. We use words like dysfunctional. You can be dis- dysfunctional on, you know, you can be at this extreme. There are some of us extreme when it comes to uh, certain things religious. There, were, there was extremity, and Jesus dealt with that extremity. And there are some of us extreme uh, uh, all of it is about I got to get my child to this dance I got to get my child to cheerleading practice I got to get my son to football I got to get him to baseball I got to get him to basketball I got to get him to but we don't get them to the altar when's the last time you took your child's hand and went to the altar and knelt before God you don't have to be here you can have that altar in your home. You can have that altar in your home. But you ought to be able to take your child. Look, you all have heard me teach so many times about Abraham. Who did Abraham take to the altar? His son. What was his son's name? Isaac. Do you realize how old Isaac was when he went to the altar? He's a young man in his 20s. You all get a picture in your head when you read a Bible scripture. You're thinking Isaac is a little bit of baby. Mm-mm. Isaac is a grown man. His daddy's pretty old by that time. Look, 
I knew when I was stronger than my daddy. Young boys, there are the time when you will actually get stronger than your dad. Young ladies, there'll be a time you'll get stronger than your mom. But you're still a child. Say it, all young people say, I am still a child. Until my father left this earth, I was still his son. I was still his child. You don't ever become to the point where you become the parent and they become the child. I know that you have expressions out there that says once, you know, one, twice a child and once an adult. That's what they say. Because they say basically you, you, you become an adult and then you get in the old age. My dad didn't lose his mind when he got older. He was just full of wisdom, more wisdom than I could even imagine. And when I got around him in his old age, I just wanted to shut up and soak it up. And some people, some of you young people, I'm going to say it to you just like that. Sometimes you need to shut up and soak it up. You got too much mouth. You got too much. You think you know what you don't know. This is why sometimes we have to look back. That's why when I sit down with young people, I say, look, you guys are writing your papers about Martin Luther King. I was living through it. When you walk through restaurants and think it's no big thing, I just walked through the front door, couldn't. Back door. When you think about going to whatever school or college that you want to, couldn't. Matter of fact, if they could have suppressed, like my father said, they suppressed my education. They wouldn't let me go any further than six grades. Didn't want me to read. Didn't want me to own anything. Didn't want me to have anything. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Come on. I mean, you know, people are a blessing to you. Diversity is a strength. But this thing that comes from Satan called prejudice, that comes called bigotry, It'll try to bind you. And young people, you need to sit back and sometimes just let your parents talk. Don't be so, I got to, what your friends are texting to you ain't going to help you at all. All them pics they are sending you ain't worth diddly. But what your parents have to impart in you will sustain you all of your life. That's why the scripture is it's so clear about us not leaning to what? Our own understanding, but learning how to do what? Acknowledge God in all of our ways and he will direct our path. And I remember switching subjects again back to this preacher that God told me to call. Call him because he's discouraged. And he said, share it with me immediately feel so discouraged but we ought to keep praying folks I'm going to encourage you start joining us in prayer on Sunday morning at 8.30 start joining us just get here just a little early and join us at 8.30 on prayer start joining me if you can on Wednesday night at 6.30 for prayer join me again on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock for prayer how many of you know the Bible says a man ought to what? We always got something else first, though. And the Bible says, 
I'm not first. Your lips are praising me, but your heart, far from me. Where was your heart yesterday at 10 o'clock? Don't answer that. That's a rhetorical way. But where was your heart at 10 o'clock? Where was your heart this morning at 8.30? Where was your heart at 6.30 on a Wednesday night? Just let the Spirit deal with you. I'm not trying to be mean. We're living in a time, folks, if we don't get real and stay real, we'll settle for the imposter. We'll settle for mediocrity. See, the nation went into prayer on 9-11. The nation went into prayer. You realize that most people are most concerned today about the start of football. It was about that same time, 21 years ago. They canceled every football game, and nobody felt like they had missed a thing. That wasn't important. Say it's not important. It's not important what Washington commanders will do today, what Dallas will do today, what whoever your so-called favorite sports, it, that won't matter in eternity. What will matter is whether you did your father's will. What TikTok has out there today won't matter. What Instagram what Facebook or whatever social network is out there will not really matter unless it was focused on Christ. No football team is going to say, come on, let's take a few moments and lift up the name of Jesus today. They're going to give you towers, towels. They're going to give you other paraphernalia and say, let's wave the banner our team. And see, this is why the church must lift up the banner of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, through all of the rubbish, and I, I, I probably could have found uh, uh, videos with this, and when all of the rubbish was cleared, there was something, a piece of metal, and, and it was very clear that the metal was in the shape of a cross. Of all of the rubbish and all of the ashes outstood this prominent piece of metal from a fallen building. I went back, I listened to the message that Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham, preached. And he says, the key thing that you have to re realize is that those buildings were built on a firm foundation. So that even if the building collapsed, the foundation is still intact. And folks, how many of you know that the Bible is telling us you and I need to build our lives on what? A firm foundation. Who is the firm foundation? Who is the tried stone? The cornerstone? Jesus. And what are you building your life around? What are you trying to help build your children's life around? Oh, I want my baby to be a ballerina. I want my son to be like LeBron. Or be like Mike. And be like Ike, whoever. You might want them to be like Jesus. Because everything else is going to fall down. 
Certainly God wasn't the orchestrator of that destructive thing that happened on 9-11, but he's trying to also say to you, do you realize that everything else is going to fall down? What do you think the rapture will look like? If two planes fell, four planes literally that fell on that day, caused that much death, nearly 3,000 people, what do you think will happen when planes are just randomly falling out of the sky because the rapture takes place? What do you think will happen when you saw people in masses running? What do you think it will look like when the rapture comes? And this is why God is saying to you, you might want to get your focus back where your focus needs to be, the kingdom. Getting you ready for what he already has ready for you and not letting the enemy come like a thief in the night in your life be ye the Bible says also ready be ye also ready be a prepared people be a thankful people. Be a people that returns back to the heart of worship. Because some of you, the truth of the matter is, you're very selective about Sunday now. Well, I'll go this Sunday, but this Sunday I'm going to kick it. I, 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 I just, Pastor will be on. He's, he'll be streaming. I'll just kick it back. You know, you need to kick it up a notch. You need to kick it up a notch, not kick it back. Not get laid back. Not all of a sudden say, I have another way. Mm -mm. That's not God's way. Folks, we're supposed to be using these witty inventions and creative ideas to take the gospel as far and as fast as possible into the othermost parts of the earth. But the believers need to be gathering when they can gather. Not forsaking the assembling of themselves as the manner of some is as we see the day approaching. Book of Hebrews. But I got a convenient, I'm just going to say what you say. I got a convenient reason. Is it really a reason or really is it an excuse? Nine eleven shocked the world. Nine eleven shocked every citizen of the United States. I remember writing this. I'll read what I wrote. What is our hope in the best and worst of times? When all around our soul gives way, our hope is that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ, not even suffering and death. Our hope is not for an easy or a comfortable or secure life on earth. Our hope is that the love of God will grant us joy in the all-satisfying glory of God, which will continue through death and increase for all eternity. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Matthew 6.33 is really the content of that song. What is your hope built on? 
Do you know the song? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. See, folks, we're trusting in too many things that the Bible wants us not to trust in. He says, some will trust in horses, which is a resource. Some will trust in land, which is a resource. But he says, some will put their trust in the chariots that the horses will pull. See, on that day, many people had put their trust in the stock market. It was gone. How many of you remember when you looked at your portfolio a few days later? Your 401ks that you had so consistently put your hope and your trust in. All gone in a moment. Buildings that people would come and literally go to New York just to look and stare at. Couldn't believe that a building could be so tall. But how many of you know God is bigger than any building that man can ever build? God is greater than anything that we can ever see or create upon this earth. God. And that's why God said, are you keeping your eyes on him? In the midst of what we're going through in the last two years, three years or more, have you kept your eyes on God? In the midst of the foolishness that I've seen in politics, that system of politics is not imperishable. You aren't going to get better because you put a Democrat in the House. You're not going to put get better because you put a Republican in the House. You're not going to get better because you put a black man or a white man or a red or a yellow man in the White House, a female or male. You're going to get better because you get closer to God. The world is not going to get better because of what we do. The world gets better because of what he does. The world gets better because we keep our eyes on him. Some people look at the military. The military cannot protect us under every structure or force that comes against us. I don't care how strong you say your military is, how many people you have, as it were, enlisted in your military force. There is a force bigger. Do you remember there's a man named Goliath that said, I'm bigger than any of Israel's forces. Send out somebody to fight me. And then God sent out a young lad named David with just a slingshot and three smooth stones and took it out. Took him out. See, all of Israel probably thought, well, we've got a great army. We've seen great victories through our army. No, I've seen great victories through my God. Come out of shout. Have you seen a victory through God? Victory, victory, victory is in Jesus. Victory is in him. Somebody shout it. My victory is in Jesus. Your victory is in Jesus. You're more than a conqueror because of Jesus. You're the head and not the tail because of Jesus. You are alive and well today because of Jesus. Not because of your military. Here you have this coming from a person who had served in the military over 20 years. There's only a limitation of what we can do. But God is not limited. God is not restricted. 
Your financial future is not in what happens on Wall Street and your investments. Have you sought first God? Have, have you trusted in God's financial plan? Through the tithes, through the offering, through the generous and cheerful giving of believers. That's where we have to put our hope and trust in. And folks, the East Coast, the Midwest, and the West Coast is not secure because of we have great cybersecurity walls or we have great this or that. We're only secure in Jesus. Our help is in him. Our trust has to be in, in him. I'm going to say this, and I want you to take it with the sense of how I'm preaching this this morning. You should feel more vulnerable than you do. You should feel more vulnerable than you do. Why do I say that? Just like on 9-11, nobody saw it coming. Anybody ever been involved in a car accident? And I mean not, not one where you caused it. You were just vulnerable. My wife, I remember, she was just sitting at a traffic light. Boom. All of a sudden she's being spun all over the highway. Some of you have just been driving alone and boom, right in the back. Some of you have just been going with the traffic flow, the light turned and it was green, and it was your turn to go, and then boom, out of nowhere. You should realize that you have an enemy and you are vulnerable if you don't put on the whole armor of God. The Bible says he is looking to kill to steal and to destroy. Look at what we were all reeling over just a few weeks ago or months ago, Uvalde, Texas. Do you realize you are supposed to be playing a hedge of protection over your children every day? But we don't do that first. We look for an egg McMuffin. We look for our coffee. Somebody asked me and they said, Pastor, I thought you had stopped drinking coffee. I said, I did. Because I wanted to say to myself and others that coffee is not the first thing I need. How many of you have heard too many people say, I can't get started until I have my cup of coffee. No, you can't get started without Jesus. You can't make it through the day without Jesus. You cannot know what to do without Jesus. It is not because you get coffee from whatever establishment. Joe Buck, Starbucks, or anybody else bucking up and saying, give me $5. You need, say, we need Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. See, there's just this lack of fear of God. God says, do this, and we're saying, well, later, God. I'll get to it. I'll get around to it. I'm grown. I'm practically grown. And all of a sudden, 
what God says, we're paying it no attention. We're ignoring. Do not ignore God, is all pastors trying to say. Do not get yourself into a habit of ignoring what God has said to do. Be you a doer of the word. You should feel more vulnerable than you do. This is something that I preached 21 years ago. And there are two reasons for doing this. We're more vulnerable than we think. Even when it comes to this thing about terrorism. Folks, do you realize that when they started to look at the people who were planning this, the Bin Ladens, the Mashirs, and all of these people, even one young man, uh, you don't even know, he went to your alma mater, North Carolina A&T, graduated, went to Pakistan. But it was this dream. He was the mastermind behind flying planes into various establishments. But he went to school right here, I mean, in North Carolina, right here in the States. You all don't realize, that's, you, you, some of you live near the Beltway Plaza. That was a gold gym, and there were two of these operatives of these 19 that worked out every day at what was called Gold's Gym at that time. They worked out. They flew right over at what we call Freeway, uh, which is off, off of Route 50 in Mitchellville, Maryland. They were in your backyard. They were just blocks away from you. And God is just saying to you, I want you to be alert. They started in San Diego. They were, folks, this thing was so planned out. But it started in 1993. It would be 2001 before they could. Folks, do you know things are being planned against you right now? That's why you need to be praying. You need to know that you're more vulnerable than you think. We are so dependent. All somebody has to do is take a grid down and here, and many of you will be lost. When I say a grid, a power grid. A power grid. You'd be lost. Oh, I need the internet. I can't make it. You can. Oh, I need my phone. I can't make it. Yes, you can. You need to start learning how to get a physical Bible back in your hand. You need to learn how to feel the pages turning as you begin to dig into the Word of God. Because do you understand when the power grid goes down? If it ain't here, how are you going to now know the Word of God? You don't have something that you can pick up and study. How will you know the Word of God? Look at your neighbor and say, every family. Say it again, every family. Or they have a Bible. Don't teach your children that their, their Bible is on their tablet. Because you understand, when it's on your smart device, when it rings, you're distracted. When it beeps, saying, messenger has a message for you you forget the true message when a pop up pops up folks you need to be able to give God your undivided attention 
I'm preaching from notes that I took 21 years ago as I sat before God and said, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. Crying. Lost. But knowing where my help comes from. It comes from God. My father used to always say this. He says, you young people, you don't know how to survive. I would laugh with my dad, but he would sit on my, my deck with me sometime. He says, son, why do you keep cutting all this grass? He says, if it was me, I'd dig it up. I'd plant me some tomatoes there. I plant me some. <laughs> my dad said, you can't eat none of this stuff that you're working so hard in. You know, we, 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 he was true. He says, if they poison the food supply, a lot of you are just going to die. You don't know how to do nothing for yourself. I thought about it. I thought he was just trying to be critical, but I realized he's so right. And that's what the terrorists started in 1993 saying. They said this, and I quote, America is weak. If you attack America, they run. They looked at what had happened in Lebanon to the Marines. And sure enough, we had packed up and left. They looked at what happened in Vietnam, and sure enough, we packed up and left. Look at what happened in your time, Afghanistan. What we do, do we, we do? We packed up and left. And that's what this, these mindsets, these evil mindsets say, uh, if we attack them, we hit them hard, they'll run. How many of you know that's why God tells you to stop running and take a stand? There are people who run from church to church. Every time something comes up, they run. They don't ever take a stand. And you can look at their pattern about every three years, every four years, and they say up to seven years, they're on the run again. Well, it ain't going to change. It's not going to change. The devil knows where you run to. The devil knows where you're trying to hide out at. And you might as well just, come on, anybody, I went through bullying during my school days. Anybody in here, you can identify, you went through bullying, people bullied you? And that was a young man in my school, and I don't know why he didn't like me, Ron. Mate, I, I, I'm in the fourth grade at this time. I still remember it very vividly. His name was, uh, I won't say his name on. Okay. <laughs> but this is what he would tell me. I'm going to break you in a thousand pieces. I don't even know what a thousand pieces look like, but I knew I didn't want to be broken into a thousand pieces. He looked like he should have been in the eighth grade. You know the kids who stay back for a couple years, three years, they're in your class, and then they decide. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.